You know, this morning we are finishing up our series on maintenance. Uh, we believe that God uh, desires to do new things in our lives. In fact, I believe that God is going to do new things in our lives this year, in our church, in our lives individually. And it's wise, you know, if you're going to take your car across country, if you say, you know what, I'm going to go, I'm going to see those redwood trees finally. I'm going to drive to California. And uh, that's where they are, right? Okay. Uh, that wasn't in the script. And I thought, man, I'm an idiot. Um, but turns out I'm less than an idiot. Um, but um, you're going to drive that car. I'm going I'm to drive that car to California. You know what? It's good to get your car in, right? Isn't it good to get your car in, get the oil changed, get the tires checked, everything checked? Hey, you know, you tell the mechanic, I'm driving to California. Can you do me, a, you know, make sure I'm in good shape, right? And so if God is going to do th new things in our lives, if God's going to take us to new places, if you're waiting for a breakthrough in your life, if something is going to happen in your life, then it's good for you to stop and check in. And as we check in, we say, okay, what do I need to check in? I need to check in on the areas where I'm connecting to the Lord. We connect to God, we've talked about through prayer. We connect to God through reading the scriptures. We talked last week about connecting to God through being led by his Holy Spirit. These are the ways that we connect to God. We need to do maintenance. We need to check in. God, before I go through this open door, God, before I enter this new season, Lord, tell me about this maintenance. Am I connected to you? Am I where I'm supposed to be with you? Is my heart in the right place? And today we're going to finish this series with something that's very important. It's something that we're often naturally inclined away from, and that the scriptures tell us that we ought to do this, and that is the idea of community. God tells us that we are designed and purposed to live in community. You say, Pastor, this feels like uh, you're getting us because we're talking about small groups and now you're talking about community. Um, listen, uh, we talk about the Bible, and the Bible says things that support small groups. It's just how it is, right? In fact, I'm going to read you a scripture here in just a second. In fact, I'm going to read you a lot of scriptures today. I'm just right up front. I'm just going to tell you, all right? Because when I hit something and I say, I believe this with my whole heart, and this is something that I think people need, I, there's just something in me that just says, you know what, we need a lot of Scripture today. Because here's the bottom line. Who cares what Jason Lowe says? Can I get an amen? Right? Amen. Who cares what Jason Lowe says? I don't care. You shouldn't care. But we should desperately care about what the Bible says. And where he takes us. And so when I hit something and I'm like, man, that is so important, you, you are just going to get baptized in the scripture today. All right? And we're going to begin in Matthew chapter 16 uh, with the words of Jesus. It's always a great place to begin as we talk about community. Matthew chapter 16, uh, starting at verse 15, and it says this. But what are you? But what about you? Jesus asked. Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. And then in Acts chapter 2, verses 46 through 47, this is one of our, our key scriptures around here because we believe this is the pattern of the early church. And it says, every day they continued, the early church continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Is that your vision? That's my vision. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Amen? Amen? All right, all right, all right. 1 Peter chapter 2, starting at verse 4. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, 
offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in the scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. God, we rejoice in who you are. We rejoice, Lord, that you have given us mercy. We rejoice in who you are and the story that we get to be a part of, a mighty and powerful God, yet a God who is loving and is, is aware of each of us and walks with each of us, Lord. We rejoice in your word, and we pray, God, that you would lead and guide us, encourage us today, strengthen us today. God, we desire to have a strong relationship with you, that you could lead us and guide us, Father. Use me today, God, as, as what you've put in my heart and what I've prepared, God. Allow, shape it, mold it into what can be helpful and encouraging for your people. I rejoice in who you are, and I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. The word that Jesus uses, I love this word that Jesus uses when he begins and talks about the church. Jesus, as he talks about the church, Jesus founded the church, right? The church is a unique institution in the whole world because it's the only one that Jesus founded. And Jesus says, I'm going to found my church. Of course, when he's talking to his disciples, he's not speaking in English. And Jesus, when he says the word church, the word that's translated church is ecclesia. That word means literally the called out ones. And I love that word. Like that word, is so, it makes me feel so important. It makes me feel like so cool. I love being called out. It immediately, you know, begins to say, well, what was I called out to? What am I called out from? Where am I going? Like I'm a called out one. You are a called out one, right? We're the called out ones of God, called to be in his church. You know, one of the things I, in my life, I've gotten to travel different places, whether it's playing basketball or doing missions work or whatever, and I've been all over the United States, and I've been a few places around the world, and I'm one of those people who, when we're on vacation, we go to church right? And if you don't, I mean, that's totally cool. No judgment. All right. I get it. Like you disconnect and, and whatever you watch online later or you do whatever, but I love going to different churches, right? I like being there. I like being in all those places. And, and, you know, I've been in churches where, you know, we knelt a lot. We were down, we were up, we were down, we were up. Okay. I've been in churches where we do, where we worship for like an hour, over an hour of just worship and singing, right? You know? Yeah. I've been in churches where the message was like an hour and a half, right? And you've been there, you know, and you heard it. There's somebody in here that's like new, and they're like, this isn't one of those churches. It's like, it's like, he's, not, he's not talking about. No, no, it's not. It's not, right? Um, we're like an hour and 29 minutes. No. Um, but, I mean, you know, you, I, I, you've been all over, right? And you've seen all these different places and all these different churches and all these different ways of doing things. And if it's a, and if it's a church that, that lifts up Jesus Christ, then somewhere in that service, there was something that gave you the opportunity to connect with God, right? And it's cool because in all those different places, a lot of times there's a different emphasis, right? I mean, obviously, if you're singing for an hour, there's an emphasis on worship. If you're preaching for an hour and a half, two hours, there's an emphasis on the word, right? You get that emphasis. And it's, but it's so cool to see that. And in, and in all those different places, if it's a church that's worshiping the Lord, then there's some place to connect with God. 
There's some place in there. Maybe it was in the worship. Maybe it was in the prayer. Maybe it was in the message. But there was some place where you just felt the presence of God and were able to connect with God. And there's something special about being with the people of God and connecting with God. There's something special about being in a place where we're all together. You know, there's, it's good that Scripture describes and talks to us about being alone and being alone in all those things, in, in, in prayer, being alone in studying the Word, being alone in, all, in, in, in the worship and all those things. But the Scripture also talks about, and there's something unique about being with other people, being together with them. But there's, so there's a tendency Right? Like some of us, uh, we, we like to be with other people, and some of us, we like being with other people less, right? Uh, some of us, you know, when I'm talking about being with other people, you're like, yeah, right? I'm one of those people. I like to be with other people, right? Some of you are like, I'm being with other people, and you're like, yeah. And I talk about being alone, and you're like, yeah. Right? But the truth of Scripture is that both of those things are important. Both of those things are commanded by God, that we're supposed to be alone and we're supposed to be together. In fact, we've been doing maintenance over these last few weeks, and I just want to just ask you some questions. As we talked about prayer, what was the picture that came into your mind? The picture in our minds so oftentimes, right, is you remember Jesus said, get alone in your closet, right? And some of you, you like really resonate with that. We're like, yes, like pray. I'm going to go and be alone in my closet. Leave me alone, kids. Leave me alone, spouse. Leave me alone, work. I'm just going to be alone, Right? But do you know that over 70% of the scriptures in the Bible that talk about prayer are talking about corporate prayer? Agreeing together? The same Jesus who said, get alone in your closet, said where two or three gather together, I'm in the midst of them and there's power and agreement in prayer. Any two of you touch anything on earth and ask in my name, it will be given to them. Right? And there's power in the agreement of prayer. And Jesus describing for us that prayer is both corporate and individual. Right? And, and we need both of those things. And regardless of what our personality is, whether I'm driven to the group or I'm driven alone, I need one of those, I need both of those things at different times. You know, as we talked about in week two, we talked about studying the scriptures. And, and there's just an idea in our heads, right? It's like, I'm, I'm going to study the scriptures. I'm going to get my Bible and a, a candle. And uh, I don't know why I've got a candle, but I'm just, I'm going to get a candle at a table, right? And I'm just going to dig in. And, and it's just me and just the room's kind of strangely dark and lit by a candle, and I'm just digging into the Bible on my own, right? But you know in the first century, in the times when the Bibles was written, that for somebody to have their own copy of the Bible was a completely foreign concept to any of them? At a time when paper was made out of like reeds and, uh, and papyrus and all those different materials that it was made out of, to have your own copy of the Scripture would be a luxury beyond imagination. You would have to be so rich and wealthy to have a Scripture on your own. And yet when we think about studying the Bible so often, what do we think? We think, oh, I'm going to get tucked away, right? And some of us were like, yes, I can't wait to get tucked away. And others are like, oh, no, I don't want to be alone with the Bible. Well, guess what? The scriptures describe for us being in community, coming together, coming into Sunday school classes, coming in into small groups, coming into different groups, and being together, coming in on Sunday morning and studying the scriptures together. We need to get alone with the Bible sometimes, but also we need to be in community studying and learning together. You know, we talked about being led by the Holy Spirit last week. And you think about that and you think, well, that's something that's super private, right? I mean, the Holy Spirit speaks to me in my heart. Uh, I'm trying to kind of figure that out and work that out day by day and allow the Spirit to speak to me, you know? But there's nothing really that needs community more than, than listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. 
Because isn't it one of the greatest challenges of Christianity to try to discern, was that my voice or was that the voice of the Spirit? And how do you do that? You do that with the godly people that are around you that you trust. And you come to them and you say, hey, this is what I'm feeling in my spirit, right? And and is this the direction, you know, this is the direction I think I should go. And God bless you if you have somebody in your life who says, "Eh, I'm not sure about that. What a gift that is, right? And if there's ever something inside of you, listen to me, I don't know, I didn't say this first service, this isn't in the script, but if there's ever something inside of you that when you have somebody who kind of says, I don't think so, if there's something that rises up inside of you and says, I don't like you anymore, I'm not listening to you anymore, you're you're not vibing with what the Spirit's telling me anymore, then you're wrong. And you need to check it. And you need to make sure, if you've got somebody that you know loves the Lord and loves you, and they say, you know what, I'm not sure about this, you need to take that seriously as a gift of God, like somebody gave you a diamond. And you need to say, I'm going to stop, and I'm going to think before I, oh, I, don't play the God card on people, okay? Don't try to shut somebody down and shut somebody in your life down that loves you and loves God by playing the God card. Yeah, but God told me. You know, when somebody comes to me and says, and leads out with God told me, I can't say anything to them anymore right? Because what are they saying? They're saying, well, I've heard from God, and I don't care what anybody else says. I don't care about my community. I, I heard from God, and I'm doing this. And, and that is not a healthy place to be. I've watched people in the last 30 years of my ministry make the worst decisions that they've ever made by saying, well, I feel like this is what God is saying, and I won't allow anyone else to speak into me. We need community. I'm sorry, you just got a rant there. Like I said, that wasn't that wasn't in the script. Uh, that, that was just, I feel like somebody needs to hear that today. And if you, maybe you're playing the God card on people. But we are designed to be in community. We are designed to be in community. You know, I tell you that, that, and I always give you this example, but I think it's so important. When we talk about being alone with the Spirit, that the two principal examples in history is Joseph Smith, who started the Mormons, and Muhammad, who started Islam. What did they do? They got alone in a cave, and then an angel came to them. And I have no doubt that an angel came to them, because Paul said an angel will come with a different gospel. Even if an angel comes with a different gospel, the devil was an angel. And I have no doubt that the angel spoke to them and to others who got alone, and they heard something that contradicted the Scriptures and took people away from the Scriptures. When we get alone and think that we're just going to hear from God alone, it is the historically the most dangerous place to be, and the enemy loves to come and speak to you in those times and show up in a way and do things in a way that convinces you of a direction counter to the direction of God, and you walk out of that cave thinking, no one can speak to me, no one can tell me anything because God has told me. And begin to play the God card on people. Now, there are drives in our life. We're called to community. But there are these drives in our life that that pull us away. Like, I get disappointed in myself. And and I think negative things about myself. And when I I think negative things about myself, what do I want to do? I want to withdraw. I don't want to be around people. I don't want you to see me. Because what? You're going to see the negative things that I see. And you're going to think I'm a loser. And I don't want to be around that. We get disappointed with other people. I don't know if you've ever gotten to a place in your life where you're just like, I'm done with y'all right? I'm done with y'all. I'm, I'm going. I'm going to do, do my own thing. I'm going to go on my own, right? We get disappointed in others. And then there's that, that drive to, to isolate, right? It's like I'm disappointed in me or I'm disappointed in you. Whichever one it is, I'm just, I'm just going to go on my own here for a bit. I'm going to isolate myself. There's, there's the isolation of busyness. 
You know, when we get things, when we're getting things done and we want to get things done, and so often people are talking and people are saying and people have, people are needy. Yes, all my task-oriented people in the room, right? People are needy. It's like, it's more efficient if I just do it by myself. If I just isolate myself, if I just get things done. There's all these drives toward isolating ourselves. And yet the scripture is so clear that we need community. We need other people in our lives. And there's, there's primarily two reasons that, that the scriptures tell us that we, need a, that we need other people. And the first one is because it helps, it meets God's desires. And you know what? If you're really a follower of Jesus and you really love God, that should be enough for you. If God desires it, I want it. Whatever God tells me to do. If God says to me, stand on your head for four hours a day, and I'm like, pretty sure that it's God, and I'm going to get confirmation from other people, right? Then I'm going to stand on my head for four hours a day. And you're like, why? That seems useless. God desires it. God desires it. But there's the other thing. The other reason is that, and this is the beautiful thing about God, is that anytime God desires something, that's what's best for you and me. Those two things line up. This is why we say God is beautiful. This is why we say he's amazing. Because when he desires something, it's actually what's best for us. Because he made us, and so he knows, and he's a good parent, and he comes along. And we see so in God's desires. We see, first of all, he desires it, so that should be enough. But secondly, when he desires something, that's what's best for us. And God desires our worship. God desires our worship. You know, and, and I don't know, I, I have a tendency to think a certain way. And, and I, I, there's a part of me that thinks God desires my worship. That sounds a little arrogant. I don't know, that sounds a little, you know, and I mean, it's God, so he can be whatever he wants, right? But, you know, just me alone, okay? Like, that sounds a little arrogant. But there was a picture that, that, that came into my mind. Praise the Lord. Tell him I said hi. Um, there was a picture that came into my mind. I don't know, did you buy a Christmas present for somebody this year? And I know you probably did. And, uh, but, but not every year you get to buy the perfect Christmas present, right? Have you ever bought the perfect Christmas present for somebody and, like, you can't wait? Like, you've got it and you know, like, you know what you've got, right? And you're like, this is amazing and I can't wait. And if you've got the self-discipline to wait till Christmas, like, I'm so proud of you. But when I hit the right present, I'm just like, oh, man, I can't wait, right? It's like, I might give it to you early. I'll look for any excuse. But if we make it all the way to Christmas Day, and I give it to you, and I'm just like, I'm just waiting, right? I'm just waiting. I'm like, oh, I can't wait for you to open that up, man. I mean, you are going to love it. I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait. And then they open it up, and then they love it. Like, they, they love it like you thought they would, like you hit just right, and they open it up, and they're like, what? And this is amazing, and this is life-changing. You're like, I know. I knew it was going to be. Yes. And they're just like rejoicing in that moment, right? And this is the worship that God wants with us. God gives us every good gift. God gives us life as our creator. God pours good things out on us, and then he just sits and he's just like, I just can't wait. Right? I know, you got God, and he's, God is on the throne. And Jesus is on the right hand. And, you know, all these things or whatever. I've got God jumping for joy because he can't wait for you to get up in the morning because he's given you life. He's given you every good thing. And he's blessed you. And he says, listen, well, I want you to worship me because I just want you to enter into the joy with me. I just want to be there with you as you open up the gift. And you're like, yes. And God's like, I knew you would like that. I knew you would like that. The book of Psalms is just dedicated to expressing our emotions to God. And so many of those emotions are good. Some of them are bad. Psalms is, is true and accurate and it's beautiful. But listen to Psalm 95, verses 1 through 7. Oh, Pastor Jason needs to do more cardio. 
Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Oh, man. I don't know. I grew up. I grew up in kind of a crazy Pentecostal church, right? There was a lot of there was a lot of running. There was a lot of shouting and every. I've tried to move away from the crazy and just keep the Pentecostal and all that. But man, there's something in my spirit when it says shout aloud, right? I mean, some of you, man, you don't even know. You don't even know. You've never been in a church that shouted aloud, right? You wouldn't know what to do. What shall I shout? <laughs> Thou shalt shout hallelujah. Thou shalt shout unto the rock of your salvation. Man, yes. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it. For his, and his hands formed the dry land. Come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Oh, guys, do you, just, you remember that this is written by a guy who danced in the street until his robe fell off. And his wife, looking from the outside, was like, oh, my. But man, I mean, he shouted to the Lord with joy. And there's something so incredible about being in the assembly, about coming together with people and worshiping the Lord and shouting to the Lord. Amen? Amen. For the New Testament, Colossians 3, 15 through 16, it says this, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms and hymns and hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. How amazing it is to come together and for just a few minutes each week to set aside all the things that are broken and all the things that, that aren't as we wish they were and just to lift our eyes to heaven and join with the people of God and to sing songs declaring God's goodness and trustworthiness. And God, I know there's things waiting on me tomorrow. There might be even things waiting on me this afternoon. But for just this moment, me and all of your called out ones are going to come together as your flock and your people and declare your goodness in this place. Amen? Amen? And you need that. We need that. Because it's so easy to get caught when things aren't going our way. What happens to our world? What happens to your world when something bad happens is it begins to shrink, right? It begins to shrink. Some of you are going through some things right now, and your world is shrinking down so that now everything is about the next medical report. Everything is about the next thing that he says. Everything is about the next earnings report. Everything is about just this one little tiny thing, and it's so easy to get caught up in that. But what do we do when we come in here week by week as a discipline in our lives? I come in, I lift my head with God's people, and I look at the breadth of God, and I see how big and awesome that he is, and I'm reminded of my place in the world, and I'm reminded that that little thing that has become my sole focus is not the end of the story. God is in control. A huge, mighty, powerful God. And sometimes, when I'm by myself, I can sing my songs and I can do my things, but it's hard. But what do I do? I get in here with my people. My people who, they know my story. 
my people who I'm with, and I'm just, and I can just sing. And I can just sing, even if it's just for a few minutes. And that resets me because everything that God desires is ultimately good for me. And I come together and we get unity in this place. We get unity behind a melody. We get unity behind lyrics. Those lyrics are on the screen. Guess what? You're invited to all sing the same words together, to declare the same truths of God together. We get unity in prayer. Pastor Sam walked up here and he said, you know what? We need to pray for Ernie Parsons. Some of you might not even know who Ernie Parsons is, but guess what? You're praying for Ernie Parsons. Why? Because it brings us into unity in this place. The word comes, and it brings us into unity. I'm speaking things. I'm reading scriptures to you right now. And what? That gets in all of our hearts and gets us on the same page and brings unity. And how incredible and glorious it is for God's people to be on the same page. I want to share something with you, just a quick aside here, okay? And I'm going to pick up the pace, I promise. But Psalm 22 and verse 22, this is the Messianic Psalm. This is the Psalm that Jesus quotes on the cross. It begins, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus is referencing this Psalm, and he references the entirety of the Psalm, although he only says one word or one line uh, from it. But I want to read for you verse 22 from Psalm 22, and it says this. I will declare your name to my people in the assembly. I will praise you. This is Jesus talking. And then in Hebrews 2, 11 through 12, reflecting after the fact, once we know it's Jesus talking, it says this, both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. He says, I will declare your name to my brothers and sisters in the assembly. I will sing your praises. I know we can't see Jesus because he's spiritual, right? He's here with us, but he's in spirit. But I want to tell you, the scriptures tell us what Jesus is doing. Like we're here declaring how awesome he is and how much we love him. Do you know what Jesus is doing? Jesus is declaring how awesome we are and how much he loves us. He's not ashamed of us. We walk in and we're like, well, certainly he's ashamed of me. I failed last night and he's ashamed of me. I drug in this morning. And Jesus, if you are washed in his blood and forgiven of your sins, he is not ashamed of you to call you brother and sister. He is calling your name out in the assembly. Oh, Man, if we, I tell you, if we just get a glimpse into the Spirit, we would be so overwhelmed, so overwhelmed by what's happening when we pray, when we call on the name of the Lord, when seeing Jesus as he, as he extols us and honors us to the Father, as every time we declare him, he's like, they're mine, they're mine. And you say, how does he call all of our names at the same time? My goodness, he's Jesus. I seem more excited than you. So I will just say this. God desires for us to mature. God desires for us to mature. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16 says this, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. What's the context? The context is the body. The context is the church. Each and every one of us have gifts. You know, there are people here probably listening to me, probably in this room, and you would say, I would rather die than walk up there and do what Pastor Jason is doing right now, right? 
I would ask you to raise your hand, but you won't. You won't even, I won't even want to raise my hand, right? But I would rather die. I want to tell you that there is people back working with the children right now, the, the little ones. There's a certain age, right? I would rather die. I would rather die than go in. I would have no clue. I would be in there. Our church would have zero people, maybe me and Michelle, right? And that's because our kids are grown. But our church would have zero people if I was with the kids. Because parents, you, you, you sense things, don't you? You sense things. You go to hand me your kid, and you're like, I don't know. <laughs> I keep my kid with me. I go to a different church, right? <laughs> But what happens, I mean, there's people back there, they're called, they're anointed, they're gifted. There's people uh, upstairs working in a dark room right now pushing buttons so that people on the live stream can get different camera angles, right? If I run over here, they got to push a button, right? And they got to they gotta switch it. And there's up there, and you don't know them, and you won't see them, and they're up there working. And there's people working in so many corners of this place, keeping us safe, making things happen here. And you don't know. And what? This body functions because every joint is... I mean, have you ever seen somebody that goes to the gym and they never work their legs? They're always just in the mirror, and they're just doing this, and they just got little tiny legs. <laughs> and they walk with their little tiny legs, and they go... Right? Is that, we don't want that to be the body of Christ. We don't want that to be the body of Christ. It's not all about, you know, the arms and the biceps, right? It's not all about the mouth, but it's also about every part. I want every part of my body to be working and mature and functioning. If I'm going to get things done, I need every part of my body working. Large intestine. It's a prime example. You don't talk about it, but you want it working. <laughs> Can I get an amen? amen. <laughs> there you are. There you are. <laughs> there you are. Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 through 13. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. You know, this is one of the main reasons in the scriptures that I'm in ministry today. And I'll tell you, and you hear me say this scripture all the time because it means so much to me. You hear me give this example all the time because I think it's so clear. There's not a scripture that says, don't look at pornography on your phone. But there are principles in the scripture that we can apply to our lives. There is no scripture that says, do not max out your credit card on Amazon purchases that you don't need. But there are principles. And what do we have to do as a body of Christ with fear and trembling? We take the scriptures and we say, what are the principles and how do I apply it to my life? Because there are very clear principles that tell me I shouldn't look at pornography on my phone. There are very clear principles that tell me I shouldn't max out my credit card just to have the UPS guy bring another Amazon box because it, it, there's a little dopamine, just to be honest, right? But there are scriptures that tell us, and we have to, as the body of Christ, say, okay, how do I apply this scripture to my life? Because those things bring pain. Those things bring destruction. But if I can apply the principles of God to my life, then I can find freedom, and we work out our salvation with fear and trembling together. Where are we? God desires us to be encouraged. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 19, speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit, sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Speak to one another with these encouraging words. You know what? I see psalms and I see the, the old, there's old like foundational, fundamental things that I can say to you, 
right? There's hymns, which is like new things, but they're, but they're common things, and I can say those things to you, right? And there's new things. He said individual things led by the Spirit. And there's all manner of encouragement that I can give to you and you can give to me. Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs that we can speak encouragement over one another. In fact, Hebrews 10, 23 through 25, it says this. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up the meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. What's the purpose of us being here? Well, it's all the things. It's worship. It's the things that we're talking about. But the scriptures tell us over and over, and Hebrews most clearly, that our purpose for being here on Sunday morning is to encourage one another. And, we walk, and, and if you're here and you walk away and you're like, well, I'm not sure I understand the purpose of that. Well, maybe it's because your purpose is to encourage someone and to speak life over someone. And then you might say, well, no one's speaking life over me. Well, you may be the spark that we need. It may be you that we've been waiting for to come in and to begin talking in encouragement and speaking life over us. Man, everybody should leave church just feeling so encouraged. Even if, the, even if the scriptures hit you right in the face and you're like, man, I'm a sinner and I've got to change, but you should be encouraged to know that you're worthy and that you're able and that you can change. As we speak life over each other, and I'm trying to go faster, and I know what time it is. I just, I love you, and I love the Bible, and I've just determined to read you the whole thing today. And, and you're going to love this one so much. God desires for us to give. As we come together as the body of Christ, God desires that we would give our resources together to advance the kingdom of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6-11 through 11 says this, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly. So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be encircled in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Listen, I know this sounds manipulative if you don't trust me and if you don't trust the leadership of this church, but I hope that we have a track record where you can trust us and you're welcome to ask any questions that you want to. So please hear this. I think it's the scripture saying God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. God can accomplish his work. God will accomplish his work. It is an invitation to you and to me to participate with God. God leaves room for us to give to his kingdom and his work. It is a privilege that he gives us because he could do it without you. He honestly could. But he says, you know what? I'm going to give you the opportunity. And you say, Pastor, that sounds manipulative. I've heard a televangelist say that exact thing. Well, the thing about the difference between me and a televangelist is that I'm here and I'm with you. And I'm giving here too. And we give together. And we advance the kingdom of God together. And it's only when you fully understand this can you see it's a privilege it's not an obligation. Amen. God desires a diversity of people in our lives. Psalm 22 and verse 29. Back to Psalm 22, 
Remember, Messianic Psalm. All the rich of the earth will feast and worship. All who go down to the dust will kneel before him. Those who, who cannot keep themselves alive. We obviously know who the rich are, but those who go down to the dust, that is the Hebrew idiom describing people who are so poor that they're going to starve to death. So you've got rich people who are feasting, and you've got poor people who are so poor that they're going to starve to death. And what does God say? Nobody can keep themselves alive. It doesn't matter how rich you are. It doesn't matter how poor you are. All of you are in the same boat. You're the same people. James 1 James something, one through nine. My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes and a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my dear brothers and sisters, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of this world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor. Is not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are blaspheming the noble name of him to whom you belong? If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. This place is supposed to be a place where we come together. God doesn't want you isolated in a place where you're just with people that are all like you. The, this place, the church, should be a place that models to the rest of the world how we live together in unity and peace. It doesn't matter what race you are. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter the distinction. We are called together as the called out ones to be together. It's designed to be that. God wants that. God wants us to be showing love to one another, to be a model to the world. God desires us to share the good news of Jesus. Matthew 28, Jesus said this, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. We're supposed to share the gospel. But he says to us, make disciples. Teach them. What is that? Where does that happen? That happens in church. That happens us functioning together in community. Acts 1.8 says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit is in each and every one of us who confess Jesus as our Savior. Why is he there? He's there so that we can tell people about Jesus, so that we can make disciples and in order to make disciples, in order to teach his teachings, we have to come together as a church. We have to join together. We have to be in classes. We have to be together. We have to be talking and fellowshipping and working out our salvation and worshiping our God together and all of those things. And as we talk about maintenance, I know you're here on Sunday morning, so it's a little bit like preaching at the choir. But as we talk about maintenance, we have to ask ourselves, what is my relationship right now with the body of Christ? Am I plugged in? Am I being fed and am I contributing? Is it a two-way street? Listen, no good pastor will ever stand up to you and say, you have to be plugged into this church. Our way is the only way. But a pastor should say, 
You need to be plugged into a church, a community. You need to be being fed. You need to be worshiping. You need to be contributing with everything that you have, contributing your time, your talents. You need to be plugged in. The scriptures. I've, I've kept you so late reading you the whole Bible because I want you to know the scriptures say that we need to be together. We thrive together. We accomplish the purposes of God together. Lord, I pray your blessing, God, right now that you would give us wisdom and guidance. Lord, in our prayer life, Lord, that you would open it up, Lord, show us the ways that you would have us to pray on our own and to pray with others. God, that you would open the scriptures to us as we study alone, but also lead us into classes and small groups and places where we can grow in your word. God, I pray that we as your people would be led by your Holy Spirit. God, we are the sheep of your pasture and, and your sheep know your voice. So speak to us and lead us, God. But as you speak into our hearts, surround us with people, God, that are sensitive to you and can lead us and guide us and confirm those words in our heart. And God, as we come together, as we worship you, may your spirit, God, be with us. God, would you meet us here as we gather? God, would you meet us in every Sunday school room, every small group room, every children's class? God, every activity group outing, God, would you be there with us, knitting us together, strengthening us, encouraging us, blessing us as we worship you, as we serve you? And we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. And amen, let's stand together. Our prayer team is coming at this time. If this is your first Sunday here, I'm sorry. I usually end earlier than this, but just no guarantees, but I love you. And our prayer team is coming, and, and you know what? Maybe you've been praying on your own, and you need to agree with somebody in prayer. And as everybody makes a beeline for the door here in just a second, you can come this way, and you can pray with somebody who would love to pray with you and agree in prayer. There's power in agreement. God, I pray your blessing on your people as they go from this place. I ask that you would give them peace that passes understanding, peace that is so strong in their lives, God, that people around them take notice, and they come and they say, what's different about you? And our answer will be, it's Jesus. I feel connected to him when I pray. I, I, I feel like he hears me and I hear him. When I open the scriptures, it, it makes sense to me and it gives me peace and, and the spirit's leading me in the community of God. It's just it's so good. And I just have peace that passes understanding. I thank you for that peace, and I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Peace be with you.